Welcome to the Carveline Tech Service Podcast, the go-to industrial coatings podcast. Here are your hosts, Jack Walker and Paula Jamis. Welcome to another edition of the Carboline Tech Service Podcast. I'm Jack Walker. With me, as always, is the Director of Technical Service. That's Paula Jamis. He's to uh, my uh, left or right, one of the two. Sometime I'll come up with a new joke. And as if you're watching this thing... <laughs> I am definitely to your right. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing, though. Like, I'm looking at the screen, and you're to my left. Oh, that's not right. When I'm looking at the screen, you know, like, this is my left hand, even though it's on the right... It's the whole mirror thing. Anyway, if you look down below, we got uh, Brian Cheshire. He's with us. He's our market manager for Water Wastewater. Hey, Brian, how's it going? Hey, guys, doing well. Great to have you back with us again. Yeah, thank you for having me back. And after the last episode with the bad joke, it was kind of 50-50 if you were going to bring me back. <laughs> yeah, for us too. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say I've been like nervously awaiting this episode because after the YouTube version aired, Brian texted me and said, revenge is a dish best served cold. <laughs> so I feel like I got something coming my way because of a little scramble joke. But uh <laughs> We wanted to have Brian on again, like we always do. And we're going to talk about a standard that we haven't talked about yet. And that's the AWWA C210. So Brian, quickly, why don't you tell us what that standard is for? It's actually for a steel water pipe. And before we get into the standard, thought it may be relevant to kind of talk about, you know, really the, the drinking water infrastructure here in the U.S. just to kind of frame up the need, I guess, for protective coatings. Sure. So I know before we've talked about wastewater on the show here, and we've mentioned the American Society of Civil Engineers infrastructure report card that they put out every few years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've talked about wastewater being a D plus um, as far as a grade level goes. But within that same report, they give the drinking water infrastructure a grade of a D, actually a little worse. Yeah, yeah. F plus? You know, kind of some um, some interesting facts, I guess, from this and also from some other, other reference guides. But the U.S. uses about 42 billion gallons of water a day. And drinking water is delivered via roughly 1 million miles of pipe across the U.S. And the, the thing with, the, with these water pipes is many of them were laid in the early to mid-1900s. And at the time, they... We're planning on a lifespan of about 75 to 100 years. So do the math and you can kind of figure why we're following behind here. But another staggering fact is, you know, every day about 6 billion gallons of treated drinking water are lost due to leaking or aging pipes. And there's roughly, you know, 240,000 water main breaks a year. I think they're all on my street (laughs) and all 6 billion gallons runs down the hill. Definitely seen that in action. But but the interesting thing is the AWWA estimates that $1 trillion is necessary to really maintain and expand service to meet demands over the next 25 years. So it's definitely become a a political thing, but it's it's definitely needed. And the the thing is, it's, it's kind of funny when you look at our pipe infrastructure, there's it consists of a bunch of different substrates. There's actually wood pipe still in use. Shut up. In the U.S., Shut up. I was on a uh, industry webinar the other day and and they made the comment that wood pipe is actually used in parts of Washington, D.C. They joked about it being 
basically running under the Smithsonian when instead it should be in the Smithsonian. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, some of the other types of, of substrates that you see in our pipe infrastructure, you've got concrete, copper, cast iron, ductile iron. But the focus of today's conversation is on steel, which does comprise a good bit of our infrastructure. As long as we're, we brought up the steel pipes, let's elaborate a little further on those. What kind of uses do we see with it and where do we see this that steel pipes in the water system? Yeah, so I mean, you, you see it in a lot of different places, but anything from, from aqueducts, uh, supply lines, transmission mains, pinstocks, even piping when you get into the treatment plant, force mains, and then many more uses. What kind of linings do we typically see in these? So oddly enough, you know, one of the, the more commonly seen is, is cement mortar linings. So that those have, have a widespread usage in steel water pipe. But also you see protective coatings used quite a bit. You know, they, they really act as a barrier between the substrate and when you have buried pipelines, it's basically isolating that substrate from the surrounding soils, you know, which can be a corrosive environment. Yeah. And then you see, you know, coatings are used in tandem with cathodic protection systems. And actually the the two used together definitely increases service life. Yeah. And we did talk a little bit about this with when we talked about AWWA C222, we did way back, boy, that was what, about 30 episodes ago, right around episode 144-ish, maybe? Uh, yeah. Brian and I had a fight the other day that whether or not he was actually on the episode, I swore he was. <laughs> and he said, no, it was just his idea. So I, I feel oh. like he probably knows where he was better than I do, but me. I don't know. If it was, it wasn't memorable, at least, you know. <laughs> We're not oh. very memorable. We're not very memorable. Two fat guys with beards. <laughs> so now that we've talked a little bit about the steel pipe, let's talk, you know, I brought up AWWA C210, and that's the liquid epoxy coatings and linings for steel water pipe and fitting. So it's not just uh, specifying steel, but it's actually specifying what type of coating as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I'll tell you, before we kind of get into some of the testing and specifics, I, I do want to kind of give the disclaimer um, that AWWA lays out, but you know, C210 is a standard, not a specification. You know, so these standards really lay out the minimum requirements. But there's a lot of other elements that you would see in a specification that, that really aren't going to be touched on in the scope of this document. So I do want to point that out. And then really the scope of the standard, you know, it covers the use of liquid epoxy coatings for exterior coatings and interior linings of still water pipe. And the interesting thing is, you know, that the first edition of this standard was really more specific to coal tar epoxies. And now it really speaks more to, you know, two-part chemically cured epoxies. And then, you know, within that, they actually list many different types of curing agents. But some of the other things, you know, within the scope of the standard, so it covers both shop and field applied liquid epoxy coatings and linings. And generally, this is going to be for the still water pipelines that are installed either underground or underwater. But there's you know, several things covered from there. You know, when you talk about the actual uh, coating, anything from the application, you know, which is going to include the cleaning, surface prep, you know, items, miscellaneous items like you know, how to address holdbacks for field welds. And then from there, it's going to talk about inspection, you know, some of the testing, some of the performance requirements. And then even, you know, packaging and storage requirements. For sure. And then when we look at that, it also covers application as well, right? Yeah, most definitely. There, there's a few definitions within the standard that I, I thought was kind of pertinent to lay out. It speaks to uh, the constructor, the manufacturer, and the 
purchaser. So basically the constructor in the scope of this is really going to speak more to the, the pipe fabricator. The manufacturer in this case will speak more to, to our world, you know, to the coating supplier. Yeah. And then the purchaser is going to be the owner or, or the end customer. Sure. And so one of the things that you look at this and then we kind of, you know, I'm going to kind of sidebar it here for just a second is we were having this conversation the other day that this specifications importance has actually kind of grown in the industry because they don't use it solely just for steel water pipe. Uh, we've started to see it pop up as a requirement in other uh, standards like the AWWA D102. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, you're right. It, you know, it does reference it, you know, in, in that standard, which is speaking to, to steel water tanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons that it gets referenced in the other standards is because this one does have a set of testing requirements in the C210 that it kind of lays out and says, here's what you need to do. Do you want to touch on those a little bit for us, Brian? Yeah, sure thing, Paul. So, you know, kind of first, first and foremost, you know, because remember this is for steel water pipe. First and foremost, the lining system has to be certified to NSF 61. And we've talked numerous times on this show about the impending standard from NSF, NSF 600, which is going to be rolling out in January 1, 2023. It's safe to say that that moving forward, uh, you're going to have to meet NSF 61 and NSF 600. But as far as uh, like on our side, getting one of our products uh, pre-qualified in order to be able to say we meet the requirements of C210, there's some specific testing that we have to pass, one of which is immersion testing uh, for 30 days. And you're testing, you know, in deionized water, 1% sulfuric acid, 1% sodium hydroxide. And you're basically having to exhibit no blistering, peeling, or despondment um, after being exposed to those. You know, and then uh, cathodic despondment testing, you know, through ASTM G8, there's a minimum or I guess a a maximum Maximum. allowable uh, level there. And, you know, this is important because, as I mentioned earlier, you know, cathodic protection systems are often utilized on these buried pipelines. You know, and then lastly, when you talk about the pre-qualification, you know, dielectric strength through ASTM D149, and this is really an indicator of how good an insulator the coating or material is. For sure. And those last two that we talked about, the cathodic despondment and the dielectric strength are, are both kind of what makes this standard a little challenging for coatings. Those are uh, some rigorous tests and uh, the ability to pass those is is very important for this standard. And it's really kind of what separates it from the other immersion standards in this arena. Having these pre-qualifications that you have to do, the system really exhibits its maximum protection because in a lot of cases, you've got 20, 40, 60, sometimes 80 foot long sticks of pipe, and it's hard to do inspections through that whole thing. Lighting is bad. Sometimes you have small diameter pipes, and it's really important to be able to make sure that the coating system can tolerate any imperfections that may happen during the installation process or as it's being installed into the into the system. Having a good system is how you try to get the maximum life out of these because nobody wants to have their front yard dug up again. Nobody wants to have a newly paved street that now they have to dig up because a water pipe broke. I almost think that that's a cause and effect thing. They repaved the street because the water company wanted to redo all the pipes because that's surely what happens every time the street gets paved. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, with this standard, Brian, there's some quality control measures that come with the epoxy coating. Do you want to touch on that quickly? 
Yeah, sure. So the first thing is you're wanting to check the appearance. You know, so this will be a visible inspection. You know, you're really looking for any blisters, cracks, bubbles, you know, any other visible defects there. Mm-hmm. One of the things since we're dealing with catalyzed materials, you know, we do want to test for cure, yeah. you know, and that's typically a solvent rub test there. And this will typically you know, kind of go in accordance with the manufacturer's recommendations, you know, because different products obviously have different cure times. Yep. One of the things that's kind of important uh, to point out is, is the dry film thickness. So they specify a minimum of 16 mils, but they kind of leave the maximum, you know, basically to either the manufacturer or even the purchaser or, or the owner person that's going to be owning this asset once it gets out in, into the field. But yeah, but there, there are situations, you know, maybe you have, you know, high velocities, um, you know, maybe you have some abrasive elements, you know, where, where you need greater film build. Like I said, the top end is somewhat open-ended, but, but the minimum is 16 mils. And you're going to frequently see that top specified by your NSF ANSI 61 standard, because that does typically specify what the maximum range is for something. So that's something you have to keep in mind. It's coding specific, not necessarily to the spec because the standard only says the minimum. So then go back to your ANSI NSF testing to find out what the maximum is. No, Bob, that's a great point. Uh, but yeah, I would say that really the last two quality control requirements, you know, that we see in the standard holiday testing per NACE SP0188, and then adhesion, you know, we're doing pull-off adhesion and they're requiring, you know, a, a level of 800 PSI or greater. So Yeah, and for most of these pipeline conings, that 800 PSI really isn't much at all. No. That's a really easy to achieve number. Now, uh, what I really want to do before we close this up, because we're getting close to time, is I kind of want to talk about a real-life scenario that everybody knows about. I don't, I don't want to get political, but... Part of me kind of feels like that if in Flint, Michigan, they had a few of these AWWA C210 <laughs> coatings on their pipe, they wouldn't be in the situation that they're in today. And yeah. they're still in it today. And that's the political part. We don't have to go there. But if you're a city engineer and you're looking at that and you're going, oh my God, I don't want that to be me. These kind of coatings are exactly what prevent that whole disaster from happening. Yes. That's right. There are standards that can help you work through this. There's departments. You can call into the Carboline Tech Service Department. We can help narrow down some of these. You know, we talked about this in last week's episode that, Mm -hmm. you know, we can help go through it to make sure that you've got the right coatings in for the scenario. And sometimes the coating is, or the right recommendation is a different option. And we'll be sure to let you know that too. We want it to be right because, I mean, let's face it, especially when we're talking about the drinking water system, I'm drinking it. My family's drinking it. My friends are drinking it. I want to make sure that it's safe for everybody. And that's what's really the most important thing. And that's what we're all trying to do is we just want to make sure that it's good, safe, and healthy for everyone. Absolutely. But I think just kind of to wrap it all up, we have AWWA C210, that's liquid epoxy coatings for linings for steel water pipe and fittings. Now, don't let that keep you short-sighted there. It is being expanded on uh, AWWA D102, which is the main specifying uh, standard that they use for steel tanks for potable water is now starting to include the C210 as a part of it. The thing that differentiates the C210 is the different strenuous testing that the coatings have to go through in conjunction with NSF 61, ANSI 61's those standards. So there's there's a lot of testing that goes in to verify whether or not a coating meets the standard. And that makes it a really good standard in my opinion. Yep. But Brian, thank you very much for coming on as always. Thank you guys for having me. 
Thanks, Brian. I guess I get to still wait for that revenge. <laughs> yeah, it'll sneak up on you. So just wait. <laughs> I guess we'll just have to like give them, see if I can superimpose like a mustache on them just to, to start it. But anyway, uh, for Paul, I'm Jack, and we'll see you guys next week. And so, for the Carboline Tech Service Podcast, I'm Paul. And I'm Jack. And we'd, we'd like, like to, to thank, thank you for your support. Who put the line in Carboline? Who put the line in Carboline? No matter where I go, they don't know what I mean. I say Carboline.